forgetting someone or many people as it's been an eight year ride. But there are so many stories to share, but know this, I will never forget all of you believing in me. I will never, ever forget it. It kept me going. And to those of you that ridiculed me, some to this day, I thank you even more. For it was you, it was you that kept the gas in my tank. I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. And you telling me that it wasn't possible made me want it that much more. I'd be lying if I didn't say the victory isn't all that much sweeter. But hey, remember, always the high road. This campaign ended eight, eight years, eight years to the day it began. I call it my eight-year itch. Our next task, our next task, that's easy. Friends, Poops McKenzie here, along with uh, the immortal Sleep here on episode 5 of the Mezzanine Sleepover. And um, yes, that was the best intro yet, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I, we probably had other things to talk about, but I, I was looking for a, for a, I was cooking up an intro. I, I, I went on YouTube and I was looking around for Winnipeg-centric kind of stuff, and I f- stumbled upon this video, and uh, it was just too good to pass up. So uh, let's, let's just paint a world. Yeah. Maybe a hypothetical world, all right? Sure. So let's say that we live in a world where a city loses a hockey team. Yep. And someone decides that they're going to, uh, you know, promote wanting the team back um, on the internet. Yes. And um, that person gets a little proud of themselves. Yep. And may then deliver a speech like that, which you can just find on YouTube. Yes. You know, it says... It is, it is public. Yeah. That does a speech. Now, is that speech... We we heard two minutes, so it's only a two-minute speech? That was a 24-minute speech at a gathering, I think it was about four years ago. Um, so it was it was right in that first week after the uh, Thrashers were purchased by True North Sports and Entertainment. And... Um, Yes, this the person in question that in this hypothetical world yeah. um, did a long speech in front of a, uh, a screen behind that said "Mission Accomplished" that we've all seen. We've all seen the actual yeah, yeah. graphic, and um, just as a if, what, what you heard there is exactly what it was. It was thanking people for believing in him. Well, um, well the thing I got from this is like, okay, let's say I didn't know the context of the of what was being said, right? Yeah, it sounds like somebody that personally did like did a lot of things yes, yes. well you they, would think that they, that had, would, yes. they, they personally had a harrowing journey uh-huh and people's support yep pushed them through the difficult times well, that yes. they had yes well or someone you know who was involved in the purchase of the team um <laughs> who was involved in the management who even worked for the organization yeah for many many years um, no, this was a, a website that was created um, to, you know, uh, a fan website. It was almost like writing fan fiction. It's like, what if? 
And so a lot of people liked it, and they went on there, and they would debate, and they would talk about all the, could, could the NHL ever return? And, you know, apparently there were people out there who were, you know, just uh, haters, I guess. I, I don't really get it. Uh-huh. Um, I know there were some people who thought it could never happen. I, I would generally feel that those were people who were coming from, a, a, you know, at least had an informed opinion about economics and sports and yeah. so on and so forth. <laughs> but anyway, apparently there were a bunch of people... Um, who were against it. So what they had was they had a, they had a community and um, that they rallied behind um, this idea, which was great. I mean, I went to that site uh-huh, in this so hypothetical I. world. So did I. I. I went to that site and I was like, no, no, that's... I may have gone to the site. I may have thought it was a pretty decent website. Yep. Certainly a lot of thought put into it. Yes. Um, I didn't think that the site would ever have anything to do with the real return of NHL hockey to Winnipeg. No, it had nobody involved with it that was any um, was in any position to own an NHL franchise. Yeah. So when this um, when I found this, I mean, I we all we like you, you kind of knew that there was these kind of things go on, and if you've been uh, following the team close enough on Twitter and other other ways, um, you you know of people who tend to. Um, to think that there was to, to to put a little bit more stock in things like this of being a factor in the in the team returning when in fact it was just straight up straight economics that it worked and that these guys could make a shitload of money. Now, my favorite part of this is not just all the stuff about thank you for believing in me instead of saying like in me, not believing me, because that's two different things. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know what? If if that person had said, thank you for believing me. Well, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You said something and people believed you. Believing in you, that's a whole different thing. But I just don't understand how there are actually people there who bought into it. Into like (laughs) that messianic kind of, uh, I did this. And they're like hooting and hollering and cheering. Um, I, I have no idea what to say. It's hard to it's 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 hard to comment on because I don't want it to be like a bashing Mm-mm. kind of a conversation. I'm just you know just commentary on something that that actually happened. And again, like just just break down the facts of what happened here. Someone made a, a fan site about the, the hypothetical return of a hockey team. People followed it. Through no affiliation with that site, a team returned. Yep. A team returned because a group of rich people ran a minor league hockey team and did what the National Hockey League wanted them to do for a long period of time Yep. and built an arena and the dollar changed and then there was an opportunity to acquire a team yep. and then it happened all outside of this site, yet the person who has the site then makes a speech and again their words yep thank you for believing in me yep in me and nobody believed in me those kind of people who are just so willing to buy into the concept i, I almost at this point um need to move beyond the person who created the site yes and it's really the fans of this person like the beliefs in the people that surround this yep. individual that are like Thank you. Thank you for what you did. You didn't do anything. No, nothing. Nothing to bring the team back. Fantastic clip, though. <laughs> yeah, go to YouTube and find it if you want to, like, make makes your blood boil a little bit. Or it either makes your blood boil or, or your, your heart swell because you're just so proud of what happened. I actually but, thought that it would be a little more infuriating, but then I kind of just thought it was really funny. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of like parody. This can't be real. It can't be real. It's like... 
it's inconceivable that someone would think that they could take credit for that. (laughs) Makes no sense to me. Anyway. So, uh, something really funny that, uh, (laughs) I think, a funny story that that took place over the last week. Mm -hmm. So, what was it? Some dude from out of town, what, New Zealand? Yeah, something like that. Somewhere. Somewhere down under. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) is driving a rental car over the Moray Bridge. Yep. Eating sunflower seeds mm-hmm. and throwing the shells out of the car, out of the sunroof. Out the sunroof, yep. And there's a cop that pulls him over and gives him a ticket for like 250 bucks. Yep. And and apparently while the guy's like talking to the cop, he's still spitting sunflower seeds out of his mouth. Yep. Right? So of course this sparks the Twitter debate, right? Of course it does. And and of course <laughs> this dirty city. Yep. <laughs> Is just like, come on, let let the guy throw his garbage out it's on true. the street. Yeah, let, they 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 love garbage. So let's let's be real here. Like, you know, personally, like you and me, sunflower seeds. Who gives a shit? Like, really? No, I agree, one hundred percent. You know, especially because it's like a natural product. It's you know, it's biodegradable. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna it's gonna blow into the river. A bird's gonna pick it up. Who the fuck knows, right? Yep. It's not like you're throwing a Slurpee cup out or a, no. a garbage bag. Nope. You know, or anything like that. But uh, it's but okay. But it's still littering, and you're doing it in front of a cop. Yep. And then you don't stop when the cop comes and talks to you. Yep. And it's like it's the cops, right? To give a ticket. Like, and who knows exactly what happened? Because like these sob stories that people tend to do when they go to the media. And for the most part, you know those ones. And I, I've, I've thought about this before and, and, and always been interested in the, you know, the sad face photo. Yeah. Where they look like a dopey fucking Muppet. And they're like telling their sad story about how like, you know, oh, I, I got I got a ticket for this or or the car I bought. It, 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 it wasn't it wasn't what I thought I was getting from the used car dealership or any of those kind of stories. <laughs> for me, there's always like an element to it of like, what aren't we being told? So I don't know the whole story. But, we don't know everything, but I love the response of, I, it's disgusting that the police did that, it's shameful, and so when I saw that, I just started to kind of be like, oh yeah, it's so shameful, Why this guy should be allowed to throw his garbage wherever he wants, look at this city, <laughs> people, uh, you know, they, they, they piss on the side of the arena instead of using the washrooms at the NTS Center. But they, you, can't, you can't wait to use the can, so you... you nope. You slip outside one of the exits. Oh yeah, and you piss all over the side in, in broad daylight. Yep, and yep. The, it's a, it's a known thing, and people know it, and people make fun of the fans for doing it. It's a funny Winnipeg thing. People live building houses across from the dump on purpose, <laughs> and like things like that. So I, I that to me was always funny. Is that of course Winnipeg wouldn't mind a guy littering? They you know um, they they it's a dirty city. <laughs> it is. It's just a dirty city. I'm glad that we finally admit that. Because I would tell that to anybody. Is Winnipeg a clean city? Yeah, not really. <laughs> it's it's not. You know, and I mean a lot of it is a lot of it is due to natural causes. We get we get a lot yeah. of snow, we, we throw a lot of sand and salt all over it. Oh yeah. The snow melts and then there's fucking dust and dirt yep. all over the place on our streets and it takes forever for it to wash out from from the rain. So yep. you know, that's gross. It's and, a dirty city. And I've seen so many people just fucking chuck their garbage. Like out their window, cigarette butts. I mean, that's not a Winnipeg thing. That's everywhere. Yep, but it's but true. Like, people, I, I remember, I uh, I knew someone who was a smoker. Yep. And uh, this person is, you know, uh, prides themselves on being quite the environmentalist. Yes. 
but wouldn't think twice about tossing cigarette butts all over the ground. No, all the time. Well, it's 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 a uh, it's muscle memory. Yeah, it really is. So I hear you though. It's just like it's constant. So you know, and yes, <laughs> developing a, a a neighborhood across from the Brady landfill. Yep, that's pretty awesome. It is because you drive by there. And uh, on the perimeter, and it's like seagulls in everybody's yards, and garbage all you know mashed up against the fences of the of the development in whatever it's called at that point. Yeah, you know Waverly West, whatever it's called right there. But it's it's yeah, it, it's hilarious. That whole it's, area, I'm sorry, is a fucking mess. I don't know why. I, I, it's just wide open. It's uh, it's you know like you're baking in the sun all day. You're uh, you're near the dump. My my two of my favorite <laughs> two of my favorite areas in this city that have sprung up in the last decade are Sage Creek and and Bridgewater Forest. Yep. And my favorite thing about both of them is that they're named after the natural habitat that the neighborhood ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. My favorite part is that Bridgewater Forest is like. It doesn't have an E in bridge. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like Brigwater Forest. Brigwater. I live in Brigwater Forest. Brigwater Forest. But, you know, I just, I love how it's like, let's take, let's take a real forest and tear it down. And then, let's fucking bitch and moan about, about geese. Yeah. Who, who, you know, geese lived there. It was a swamp all along that whole McGilvery uh, area, right? McGilvery? Wait, not McGilvery. No, Waverly. 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 Yeah, Waverly, Ma- and, Waverly and Keniston. Keniston. Wa- yeah, McGilvery. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Waverly and Keniston, right? Well, that's all swamp. Yep. And that, and so, like, what do you expect the geese to do? They're like, oh, fuck, better pack up and move. Like, it's a fucking goose. <laughs> yep. It doesn't know any better. It's instinctual, you know, to, to go back to where it came from. So now we're mad because we fucking stuck in Ikea there? Like, <laughs> and then all oh, these geese are dangerous. Let's fucking... Let's fucking smash their eggs open. I know, right? You know, this fucking city, I'm telling you. <laughs> My favorite part about Bridgewater Forest or neighborhoods or whatever it's called is that they built that ridiculous overpass to accommodate the traffic for the people. <laughs> and my, I do like it, though, because it's got the nice high barriers, so I don't have to look at Bridgewater Forest when I'm going over it. Because <laughs> it's like, it's just like a big giant, like, like a Keniston just continues and it's this big open giant road with cookie cutter houses and condos. Don't care. I'm just trying to think by the way, off the top of my head, you know, let me just try to name a couple of places just off the top of my head where, you know, we really could have used an overpass. Yes. Like for real. Number one for me being a St. Videl person is Bishop Grand and right by where the mall is. Yep. Like, Oh yeah. That St. Anne's Dakota part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Desperately. St. Anne's Dakota, St. Mary's. It's St. Mary's. Yeah. Desperately needs like something going over oh. there. Like those intersections are a disaster. Every rush hour, every Saturday, every Sunday, mid afternoon. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it's nuts. I didn't think it was bad cause I hadn't lived there in, in St. Vitel in, in, in whatever, how long, uh, 13 years. When I came back, I was like, I can't believe how much traffic there is. Yeah, that there. I mean, the the wa- uh, Waverly and uh, at the train at tracks. At the train tracks, big time. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's. But you know, when when you you put the you get you get the money, and you get the you put put the rich people somewhere. You got to make it as easy as possible for them to get to their house. Here's another one. You invest in that, and now it's like it's still another neighborhood that buses can't get to. Yep. So. They're going to try to force bus service into that area, and it's going to be at the expense of bus service somewhere else in a more in a more dense community. Yep. Plus all the fucking infrastructure and shit that you have to build, 
like, why do we need more roads in the city? Why is it that we're like, you know what we need? Like, you know, drive anywhere and it's fucking garbage. But you know what we need is more of it. More, more of roads. it, more roads to maintain, and more traffic lights. Yeah. Because that's what we need more <laughs> of, too. You know, we're just dying for it. It's, you know, again, this isn't a unique problem in Winnipeg necessarily, but it's something that's happening here now, and, and we seem pretty proud of it. And it's it's a problem, because in this city, you can see that the infrastructure is the shits. Yep. Like, everywhere. It's the number one thing that I think people would say mm-hmm. is a civic issue here. Yet we build more of it besides, instead of dealing with what we have. Oh, and, yeah. And by the way, there's a there's plenty of open like space that you can fill within what exists in the city before you start oh. fucking tearing down forests and wetlands and, you know, all oh, that yeah. shit. Well, and, you know, and then the traffic light thing, it's like, well, hey, we got a McDonald's going up. So we need to put some lights in. <laughs> Well, that's what they did in that big in that whole area on Keniston and near um, just just north of Skirfield. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden there's uh, there's uh, more traffic lights and it just keeps going and going and going. But you know, I I'm in no position really to complain too much. I live in River Park South. I mean, we're from Saint Vitale. Yeah, it's not like we're like we're like OG urban sprawl. You, you and me, right? This is where we grew up. But still, it's still it's still maddening. It's not that maddening that it bothers me. Uh, on a daily basis, but it does make for uh, for some uh, some good talk when you're talking about some of the things that ail this city. I also like on the lights part where you're. <laughs> we want to build like fast roads to get around the city. Yep. Yet then we ruin it. We ruin that too. Like we can't yeah. even sprawl properly. No. It's just like we want to build a ring road around the city, so we sneak. We sneak in like the the Keniston area. Yeah, there's there's an inner beltway that yeah. has lights everywhere. Uh, and down Bishop Grand and up Lashmody and across the Chief Pegwis Bridge, and we've kind of snuck in an inner beltway, but stuck stores and lights everywhere, so yeah. it's useless. Everywhere. Yeah. Every like half a kilometer, another set of lights. <laughs> Got to wait here. Like I, I can't <laughs> think of a of a real stretch other than maybe. Uh, Bishop Grandin from Waverly to River Road. That's a decent stretch of no lights. Maybe up uh, Lajamodier at a certain point. Maybe from that, you know, Springs Church where there's a set of lights. Yep. To, uh, you know, wherever the Symington Yard en- entrance is. Yep. Like, there's a few parts where you can, where you can, you, you know, can take a little cruise, like you for a minute and a half. Yeah, a minute yeah. and a half. But other than that, like, you got, and even the perimeter, man, lights everywhere. Lights all over the lights perimeter. Lights all over the perimeter. I mean, that light at McGill in the perimeter I'm like come on every day like sometimes we take that drive we're all driving together out out to, to my wife's work and it's like oh my god it, it, every time you hit that light and it's I hate it <laughs> so anyway I, okay all right, all, right. <laughs> all right so you've got a fun project going on yes I do uh, on Twitter well at least that's where the promotion is taking place yeah it's pretty much it's it's a Twitter kind of thing and it's music related yeah, yeah. Well, what made you think of, like, why did you decide to do Well, what is it, and, wh- and right. why did you decide to do this shit? Well, it's called the 30, 366 Tunes Project. It's, it's By a, the way, way to, way to, like, catch the leap year. Like, oh, I made sure. I made fucking sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, uh, that was the first thing I thought of. Is it 365? Oh, no, it's a leap year. Perfect. But um, uh, it was, it, I was coming to my birthday, and I went, you know, what I want to, you know, most people think about, here's what I want to do in this year of my life. You know, I want to accomplish this and this and this. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I just want to get some new music, man. I just want to find some new music. I want to get a new hobby, lose 40 pounds, you know, get into sport, start running, uh, be charitable. 
no, not me. I, I wanted to find some new music, and I and I wanted to find. I wanted to kind of force myself to do it. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, every day I'm just going to find a song and I buy the song or whatever. If it's available, I'll, I'll, I'll download it. However, it, it happens. And um, and that, that was the plan. And then I was like, fuck, I should just, I should just put this on Twitter because I knew at least you would be interested in it. And then I thought, well, maybe some people will tell me what to download. That would make it a little bit fun. Well, I've had a few. I've had a few people tell me what to get. And they've been pretty decent. And uh, so it's been pretty good. So hopefully, if anybody's listening, I don't know if it is, but if you want, you can uh, direct message me or whatever, uh, and uh, let me know if there's anything I should grab because uh, I am always looking for some new stuff. It's a good project. It's not bad. I mean, I got some hurdles. Uh, I'm gonna be like away on vacation, oh, but I, you know, uh-huh. no, I've been scheduling tweets. I'm just gonna not. I'm gonna deviate. I'm not gonna find a new one every day. I'm just gonna find seven of them before I leave, and schedule the tweets and have them all lined up, and then I'll just have them. So, so that's the goal. <laughs> my favorite one of the last week is this thing. Ostizo. That was a good. That was a good find. This was awesome. Slow down and yo, let the rhyme flow and listen to the voice of Stizo. Let me explain the situation that's taught. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I was a big uh, hip hop fan uh, right around the 1980s, like the late 80s, early 90s. And um, so I was, you know, I was researching a bit for this, and I was looking up, I was reading about EPMD, and I was like, oh, they have this dancer in their video, it's Steezo, and he has this album, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check it out. I found it on YouTube, and just uh, listened to it, I was like, no, this is, this is a, this is a bumping track, it was pretty good. The album is super funny, it's all him in his, like, stonewash outfit. The stonewash, not just stonewash, it was like the stonewash overall shorts, I think, which I had a pair of those. Yeah. In, like, 1990, I had a pair of acid wash or stonewash um i went we were in the states with my parents and i was like you gotta buy me these you know i gotta have these these uh, overall jean shorts oh jesus and i i, I wore them to school uh one day and it was like ha- maybe an hour into school i was like i'm done with these like i feel so embarrassed that i like wore them with the straps down hanging down over my ass for the rest of the day and then i gave them to my cousin Nice. My, my, my my female cousin because they were they were more suited to her than they were to me so yeah that was Stizo fantastic song hold on here we go. You're sitting, but now I know a lot of MCs are like shitting. Don't be afraid and alarm and just pressure. Keeping it fine. Um, so yeah, so it, it, does, it is continuing on. So keep watching my feed for that because every day there's going to be a new juicy track. They um I downloaded the album. Sucks. Like this song is great. Yeah, the album's pretty bad. Yeah, I listened to some of the other songs and I was like, these are not good. I was like, oh shit! Like maybe it's like a fucking whole album of like goodness that I never had. Was super excited. Yeah, I just kept the track. It, it was dis- it was disappointing. I, I started listening. I was like, yeah, no. He 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 had his first single, and that was it. Yeah, it's interesting though. What I'm finding is, um, and not so much with hip hop, but with some of the electro funk stuff, is finding out like. Like, you know, like, especially the 80s stuff is these guys that, that would do like one single and that'd be it. They'd do one banging track. It was so good. And then that was, you'd never hear from them again. They wouldn't put out an album, just a single. I put out, there was a song by Bromar, like the day before. And I was like, these guys are awesome. This is great. And that was their only single. And it was the only, I believe maybe there was a B-side. I can't remember right now, but that was it. I love that kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? You did one thing. You did a, a fantastic single. You spent your whole life in music to, to do the one thing, and then you're like, fuck it. Drop the mic. I love it. That is serious mic drop. You just drop it. It's like, I'm done. I, I can't top this. So the, the project continues. 
So we can talk about it more as we go along because uh, there's. Uh, I'm definitely gonna. I, I found him a little pigeonholed. I've had a few songs from like this year, new stuff that I've been into. I'm trying to make sure that I get a good mix of other things, mm-hmm. like kind of go back to you know stuff from the '60s, '70s, '80s. I've I've been scouring. I found some terrible stuff. Though. Holy smokes! Just trying to find things. I'm like, oh, this sucks. There's no way I'd ever listen to this. I'm trying to think. Uh, what what's that? Uh, I can't I can't remember the band. It was some some new wave band like prefab sprout or something oh they were terrible <laughs> i could i thought these are gonna be good like people like them they're like one of these you know when they have 80s new wave lists and they're like this is one to check out i was like i can't believe, i couldn't i couldn't even listen to it terrible so prefab sprout stay away all right is it review time i think it's review time i'm excited about this review this is a this was a good one this is the greatest fucking documentary of all time i don't give a shit it's pretty good this is the most fabulous uh, 80 minutes ever. Yep. It, it's pretty... Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. ESPN 30 for 30, The Price of Gold. So ESPN, again, released uh, a series of... Thir- at their 30th anniversary, they did 30 directors who put together 30 documentaries. Yes. And some of them were things like... Uh, uh, the Gretzky trade was featured in one of them. Lots of college sports. Yeah. Lots of stories about basketball players who, who died. Yep. Uh, football rivalries. Yeah, it's a Bill Simmons-led project, so there's a lot of college basketball and BS like that. But you know, there's a documentary about the the Red Sox comeback on the Yankees. Yep. Uh, Straight out of L.A. is a good one. Yeah, about, and then there's about, what that the 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 June seventeenth ninety four one is yep. fantastic, where it's about the uh, the the um, O.J. Simpson chase. Yep. And it's just. There's no voiceover. There's no interviews. Well, at the same time, it's just straight like news clips and everything else. Because what's happening is OJ Sim. It's on the same day, OJ Simpson chase happens. The Rangers win the Stanley Cup. They had their parade that day. I think they had their parade. You're right. They they had the parade parade. that day. But the Knicks were the Knicks were playing. Yeah. uh, In a playoff game, in a final. It was in the final. In the final, and I think that there was a no hitter in baseball too. There were four things. Four things going on at the same time. At the the same time, so it's just flipping, flipping back and forth like flipping channels. It was crazy good. So yeah, they 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 the bar is high. Yeah. So they did the first series, and then they decided to do a second series because this wasn't part of the original thirty. They did another thirty after that. Yeah. And the price of gold is in this 30. And the price of gold is about the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding, 1994 Olympics, and the whole fiasco where uh, Nancy Kerrigan basically gets, like, there's a hit on her. Yeah. She gets, she gets bashed in the knee, out, like, after a practice, after a skating practice. Yep. And it, it then, over time, gets revealed that the entourage that, that was responsible for it was tied into her... American rival Tanya Harding. Yes. So this uh, this documentary focuses everything on on Tanya's side. Yeah, they couldn't get Nancy Kerrigan. She she had. Uh, I was reading up on it because I uh, I left my notes. I, I can't find them. But anyway, I did remember this. Is that um, I guess Nancy Kerrigan at the time that they were doing the documentary was doing a, an exclusive with NBC. Oh yeah. So they couldn't get her. Because uh, you know, um, uh, being ESPN tied in with ABC, so they didn't they didn't get it. So they have Tanya Harding, and throughout the documentary, there's Tanya Harding in 2013, 2014, whatever present day Tanya Harding yep. is is doing. A, and it's way more interesting with Tanya Harding because I can't imagine how how interesting it'd be Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah, is doing a sit down. This is interview. fantastic. So the premise of the story is that 
Tanya Harding is essentially this like white trash figure skater. Her mom's her mom's an alcoholic. She grew up grows up in a trailer, like a hoarder's trailer. Yep. Basically. And they're they don't have any money. They don't really talk about a father. Nope. And she gets involved in figure skating and and basically like that's really the only thing that she does because yeah, she's, she's good very at it. good at it yeah she's she's really good at it that's the thing that you don't really remember when you think about tanya harding is she was an excellent skater she was really good she was basically like a very very powerful yeah figure like, skater like like she, it was never about the artistic side for her and the image side she was extremely good at the uh at the uh at the technical stuff and the only problem is especially with women's figure skating there is an artistic element to it. Yep. And they kind of play it up like, it, you know, in the documentary, they kind of play it up a little bit like, ah, uh, you know, they have this. It's kind of unfairish. Like, they don't really say unfair, but that's kind of how they portray it. Yep. But really, in reality, it kind of is a, it's a part of it. It's a big part of it. It is a really big part of it. I mean, figure skating at one point for women, they had to do all the drawing on the ice with their with their skate blades, and they still have elements of that today. Like that, those those parts that are, are meaningless, and uh, it really was a detriment to somebody who was way better at the sport of figure skating than other people. So she, uh, there's a whole bunch of these clips. There's Tanya, like whatever she was in ninety one, ninety two, around there. I, I'm assuming she's probably eighteen, nineteen years old, mm-hmm. talking about her mom, and she's just talking to the media, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, my mom beats me. She drinks. She's an alcoholic." They interview Tanya's mom, and, and she's doing this interview, and there's a fucking bird sitting on her shoulder. <laughs> like, so just, just when she's doing an interview, she decides to put this fucking, like, this fucking bird on her shoulder, which is just weird, right? Yep. And she, you know, they show Tanya, like, fixing cars, and she's like, I loved hunting and fishing. She's a tomboy. She admits it. She's like, that's, yeah. that's, 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 what, I, uh, that's what I was, right? Yep. Um, but she also cuts these fat, fabulous promos. Well, she's a she's. I love Tanya Harding, and before you go, that's because of the fact that she is she's that heel, right? She's that heel with the best heel is the one where you kind of like some of their motives. You're like, yeah, I understand, and that's what it is for me. Yeah. So it's perfect with her promos because she's so good at it. And like you know, I'm assuming that they didn't really show anyone else talking about figure skating like against other people. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to the competition. May the best person win. Yep. Blah blah blah. Tanya Harding is like, I'm going to beat her. I'm better. Uh, I'm the best, and and we'll see what happens. Like you know, just like doesn't 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 hold back uh, whatsoever. So, anyways, she wins the '91 uh, American Championship. She's the first female skater to hit a triple axel in uh, competition. Yep. And that's why she wins in 1991. Figure skating is very unhappy. That she wins in 1991. The U.S. Yes. Figure Skating Association is like this is people in like insiders and traditionalists are like mortified yep. that that this girl has has come in and, and won it right. So, uh, anyways, they go to the 92 Olympics and it's a disaster for her. Uh, she chokes, whatever, and then they move on to okay. Now we're going to the '94 Olympics because that's the year where they decided to split yep. the Winter and Summer Olympics up. So then. <laughs> We introduce Jeff Galuli. Oh Jesus! Jeff Galuli is she, is Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding marries him. Yeah. Before the '94 uh, trials. Yeah. And he's this fucking skinny dude with a porn stash, and porn stashes end up being like this kind of prevailing element amongst yeah. her entourage as, as time passes. And she's like, "Well, I went for my mom, who I used to like 
beat me up to like my husband who who beats me up, and including like Jeff Galuli being like, yeah, we might get into a little brawl now and again, just like in an interview. Like it's nothing. Yeah, in an interview, right? Um, one of the things that they talk about when they're like, we're mortified by Tanya Harding is she's doing <laughs> she's doing routines to heavy metal music. That's that's so good. <laughs> I just I love those scenes with her and, and the music. It was like. You can't get much better than, than than the song choices that she picked throughout her career because, like, it was the perfect embodiment of everything. You you could just watch it and be like, I know exactly what she's all about. I just want to find a routine of her like on YouTube, like doing uh, doing her routine to like Doctor Feelgood or something. Just so good. it would be perfect. And then we get to Nancy Kerrigan, and Nancy Kerrigan is the corporate girl. Yeah. So they actually do acknowledge that Nancy Kerrigan comes from blue collar roots as well. Yes. But still different ones like there's a big know, difference. I, I don't think I don't think that the um, when you talk about Tanya Harding, it's almost the secondary issue is the economic part of her upbringing as it is the the uh, the, the the nurturing or lack thereof part of her upbringing. So, the, so they yeah. show they show Nancy Kerrigan and she's doing commercials for Campbell's and Revlon, yep. and of course Tanya Harding isn't getting a fucking thing. No ads, no promo, no promotions, no sponsors, oh. nothing. Because she's not, they they don't think she's, she's not marketable. Nancy Kerrigan. Yep. So, uh, anyways, we go forward to Detroit, and it's the uh, it's it's before the '94 American uh, Skating Trials so or the championship, basically. Yeah, it's the American Championship, and the top yeah. two people in the championship are going to go to the Olympics, right? Yep. So it's in Detroit, which is perfect. Like, <laughs> I feel like what better setting, right? And this guy, so. They show they show Nancy Kerrigan walking off the ice, and then they they're, her trainer's like, and then we stopped when she went through the curtains, and then we heard the screaming, right? And then it's the very famous like she's down, why, she's why? holding her knee, knee. Why, 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 why me? You know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy that 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 did it, his name is Shane Stewart. He got chased. He crashed. He went through a, do- a glass door. So good in his escape, and and like hauled ass <laughs> and got out escape. of there. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Uh, so Tanya wins the trials, yeah, and Nancy Kerrigan can't participate, and Michelle Kwan gets second place, yeah, and then the committee gets together and they decide, no, 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 we're going to have uh, Nancy Kerrigan go to the Olympics, and they just tell Michelle Kwan, sorry, like, ah, yeah, nuts. sorry, you're, you know, like you're, you're not in, and I guess, I don't know, like, I get it, like. It's too bad for Nancy Kerrigan, right? But but it's kind of like you're not. There's no guarantee that she would have been second. I mean, some people would say maybe, but you're right. There's no guarantee, none. Yeah. But you know, again, it's it, the world of figure skating is super strange. So especially back then. <laughs> so and then before the and then when they're going through the promos up to the Olympics, Tanya actually says she'll quote whip her butt. So over good. Nancy Kerrigan at the at the uh, at the Olympics. That's yeah. that's her promo, right? Yeah. So then there's this other dude. His name is Sean Eckert, and he's like a fat version of Jeff Galuli. Like he's big, big, fat face, big cheeks, porn stash, everything. You know the whole works. And he's he's Tanya Harding's bodyguard. <laughs> She's so, a bodyguard. So when she walks around, he's with her, and and Tanya Harding's like, I don't like this fucking dude. Is like I don't want him around. But he follows her around. They'll show her walking, and he's walking with her. But anyways, this guy, he's bragging about what happened. He 
The so reason good. that they get caught is because he brags. So good. He just brags to everybody that, that they did this attack. <laughs> and his dad brags. He tells his dad, and his so dad good. is bragging about it, too. It's amazing. And the uh, there's a, I think it's a cop that's like, you know, these are basically the worst hitmen ever. They, they went across country, and all of their expenses were just put on their credit card. Yep. They're just like... And they and like they were do, making calls and doing investigations at the uh, uh, at at where Nancy Garrigan practiced in Boston, like plotting together there as well. And like all of this is all just out in the open, just credit card receipts, fucking phone records, just like no attempt to hide it. Oh, I love whatsoever. it. It's, there's there's nothing about this that's like a mystery. Nothing. That's the best part about this. There's no real mystery. Yeah. There's nothing. It's just like it's the aftermath. It's the reasons. It's the the whole story is great because of that. Because there's no mystery involved. And the only thing that, that turns into a mystery in this whole thing is what was Tanya's involved Well, exactly. What did Tanya know? And, of course, what she says she didn't. No, she says she didn't. She, she but, says uh, she didn't. But a lot of evidence points the other way. Yeah. So she says that she didn't. So they, they, go, through, um, they go through a lot of stuff about... Uh, the legal procedures that take place between the trials and the Olympics. And this is like a six-week period. Yeah. Like, it's a short period of time. And uh, so Tanya is doing her Olympic, like, her practice for the Olympics in a, a skating rink in a mall in yeah, Portland. With, with, with cameras and people and just she's under, with all this, um, not only is she practicing to train to go to the Olympics, She's got all this on top of her as well. And the media is all over her. They're following her everywhere. She's telling them to leave. She's And she's basically saying, like, I can't say anything. Like, I've been told not to say anything. There's a scene where a reporter is knocking on her door at her house, which I don't think you can do. Yeah, you don't see that a lot. So he's knocking on her door, and she answers it, and she's, like, like pretty, like, for Tanya Harding, pretty polite, but is basically like, fuck off. Like, yeah. you know, I can't say anything. But they're all over her. She she uh, splits with Jeff Galuli because yeah. it comes out like that they're all involved. Yeah. And then he turns on her. He uh, of course he does. When he gets when he gets interrogated, he's like he strikes a plea. All, all Tanya's idea. All Tanya's idea, right? So so he turns on her, and all of the cronies they they follow suit. Yeah. So now it's like you know they they can't do anything because Tanya hasn't been formally charged. They have to let her go to the Olympics. So good. I I, I love the story because of that. Especially yeah. when they end up at the Olympics together. It's just so great. So we go to Lily Hammer. The reporters ask her uh, um, how she's doing, like, you know, how her things are going at the trials. And they're asking her basically, like, that she's virtually friendless. They're like, <laughs> oh, you know, like, what's it like to have no friends, you know, is basically what, what, what they ask her, right? I'd love to know the, the climate in the Olympic Village, in the athletes' village or whatever, during that time because that would be fascinating to see the american team and who interacted with who and where did other countries like like tanya harding because yeah. she was like you know like kind of that 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 black sheep and what happened because you know all the stuff that goes on in the athletes villages you know you, you your mind can just anything that your mind could possibly think up you got to think is going on right yeah so what's going on with tanya harding is she like a superstar celebrity with other countries or is she not or is she literally you know like what what's going on do they cross paths in the in the, in the village well, I, 
There's a great moment in the, where uh, they are going to do a practice, like a, a practice, and uh, the countries practice together. So, yep. you know, the United States has their two representatives, and they have to practice at the same time. And they, the Olympic, I, like the U.S. Uh, Ice Skating Federation, whatever yep. it's called, puts in an appeal to have them separate. And the Olympic Committee is like, you. this is a U.S. problem. Well, and rightfully so. They're like, this, this is, is your problem. problem. This is your problem. So, nope. You, you sent them like, both. Yeah. <laughs> so deal so, with it. So you're, so you're skating together. Tanya does this interview with Connie Chung. Yeah. And she just no-sells the whole thing. I love it. Connie's like, uh, so, like, everyone's interested in the scandal. And Tanya's like, yeah, people are interested in skating. <laughs> so She's good. like, you know, but, but you know, the scandal's going on. And Tanya's like... You know, skating's a big deal. She's like the Undertaker taking a punch from like a small dude. <laughs> yeah, she's just no selling it no all selling over the place. It. She's like, I'm not going to answer this. And then finally, she's like, I'm done with this, and fucking like throws off the mic and like walks out of the interview. So just, Such, just again, like, a great heel. Yeah, a fantastic heel. And, and, then, and then it's at this point where they have that the iconic photo, right, where they're stretching or whatever. At that point, and, you know, you got Kerrigan in the background and Harding in the front, and you're like, how are they existing in the same like 20 feet of space? Yeah, and then. Uh, they, they, she says that during this practice, she like went and approached Kerrigan and was like, "I'm really sorry what happened, and like best of luck and so on." And uh, Nancy Kerrigan blew her off. And then Tanya Harding in like 2014 or whatever is like, she was so rude to me. Jesus Christ! She's all right? like, it's all like, mad. Why are you mad? <laughs> mad. So such, such a justified reason to blow somebody off. Yep. <laughs> so God. So they said that the '94 Olympic uh, skating competition for women was the biggest highest rated olympic thing ever yeah uh ever yep. to this day they said that the ratings were like the super bowl yeah well everybody was watching and what they got was basically like tanya going out there and fucking the dog for her two performances yeah her skate blade breaks or so or she claims she had a problem with her skate blade yeah. and she's there crying with her feet up on the on the on the side of the boards pleading with the judges about it and you're just watching it it's like a train wreck she was not even in the top 10 no and she and, she, and it was like they do the short program and then the long one right yeah she was out of it after the short program she was like 10th and then the long program yeah she's late her skates fucked up and uh, she gets a redo, and then that redo's terrible, and that's it. Like, it's over. Like, just like that. A fitting end to that whole thing for her, really. And then Nancy Garrigan goes out, skates the performance of her life, like, standing ovation, commentators going crazy, you know, yep. you know, and so on and so on. And then she gets second. Yep. And that's my favorite part. Oh, I love that part, because Oksana Bayul was amazing. Yeah. Because I remember watching it. I, I remember watching it and being like, she can't win. Yep. She can't win. You so, know, and part of you is kind of like, good. <laughs> so the gold medal goes to Oksana Bayul of, of uh, I guess at that time it's Russia. Uh, well, what was it? A, well, wasn't it 92 where they were the Commonwealth of Independent States? I don't know. What was she What was she skating for? Because she was from the Ukrainian. Oh, maybe she uh, was. She's Ukrainian. But yeah, anyway, well, that's a, 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 a small point. Well, you know what? I'll, you know what? Just because, for the, for the sake of getting it right, because if Oksana's listening, I don't want to mess this up, right? Oksana... I don't know who she was skating for at the time. I mean, she's Ukrainian. Um, Someone out there is probably yelling it right now. They're like, come on! They're like, How do you not know? You're not they're like, who gives a shit? She's Ukrainian. Yeah. Yeah, she's Ukrainian. She represents. She was the representing Ukraine. the Ukraine. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. And uh, so she won. And then they show this clip 
of uh, Nancy Kerrigan. So Oksana wins and she cries and her makeup gets messed up because yep. that's what happens. Yep. So then they're waiting to go out and do the medal ceremony. Yep. And Oksana Bayula is getting her makeup redone. Yep. And Nancy Kerrigan is standing there and she's fucking bitching about it. Yep. She says right in front of the camera, she's like, she's just going to come out here and cry again. And it's just like full heel turn on. I know, on Nancy which Kerrigan. was really weird because, you know, Oksana Bayul had like a really rough life. And like her mother had died like a year or two years before. And her father had left their family. And, you know, she grew up in the USSR. Yeah. <laughs> and her country collapsed. You know, a few, you know, less than half a decade in the last half decade. So, you know, you kind of, if there's one person where you're like, man, that w-, there was somebody who kind of got through a lot. Yeah. I mean, I know Nancy Kerrigan went through a lot to get a silver. She did. I'll admit that. But, you know, yeah, yeah there's a... I'm just going to say, I think you're, I think you're better off at that point in time being in the US than you are being of in course. Ukraine which again at some point before that well, was the Soviet Union. Why why Oksana Bayul turned pro at 16 for a reason. Yeah. Because there was no other no other options for her. So yes, so when I, you know, I remember, you know, when I watched this, I, it was like, yeah, well, why why are you getting so mad? And you know why she was getting mad because she didn't win. Yeah. And so, sour grapes. And the person to call her out on the sour grapes. Yeah. Is nineteen is uh, two thousand and fourteen Tanya Harding? Yeah, who says she was the cryberry? <laughs> she was the crybaby who didn't win the gold. Just shut up, <laughs> and nobody wants to hear your whining. Yeah, Tanya Harding had uh, you know a lot of nerve, I guess, but you know I don't really expect too much less because she is the original heel. She is, and uh, so Tanya Harding gets banned yeah. from bigger figure skating. Not like you know, suspended for two years. She gets a lifetime ban. It's just like, all of a sudden, it's all over. And again, I don't know. It's kind of like, you kind of were involved. What ends up with Tanya is that she ends up pleading guilty to being aware after the fact that things happened and not reporting it. So she claims that she then, it happens, she doesn't know. Then she finds out, they tell her, and then she doesn't tell anyone. Yeah. So that's what she ends up getting charged with. It's like some you know obstruction of justice yep. thing. Um, they they interview one of her best friends, and her best friend's like, uh, "Could she have done it? Like, do I think she would have known? Yeah, like I think she would have known. She and then have, she could have been involved in the planning of this. And yes. then immediately cut to Tanya, and she's like, "None of my friends would have ever thought I could do this." <laughs> the editing in this is so fantastic because it's just I, I love I love the documentaries where they where where you don't even. You don't say it; you just show it. You're like, here's here's the here's where you lied or didn't lie or or, or said something wrong. Yeah. We're not even going to point it out. We're just going to show it. Yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. So she's banned from figure skating. You know, it kind of makes sense. Like you, you know, someone physically assaulted somebody to keep them out of competition. That's that's what happened. Yep. And you, whether you were involved or not, you did know you were you were a competitor of that person. And you were made aware and you didn't say anything. To me, that's enough for a lifetime ban. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, where has this happened? Like, can you imagine? It's like... It's uh, wrestling. You know? It's like getting... It's like hitting the guy with the chair. Yeah. In the, in the locker room. You know, before the match. Um, all these skaters, based on the popularity of figure skating at the time, go on to this, you know, these tours, like these professional yeah. skating tours, sponsorship deals... Nancy Kerrigan makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. All the top figure skaters get rich. Tanya Harding gets shit. She gets nothing. Nope. 
Not a goddamn thing. Again, her figure skating's done, and it's the only thing she's ever done. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a tragic story. Now now she's she's married and has a kid. Seems to be doing fine. Like that's what they portray. So I don't know what she's done since I didn't bother looking it up. That's kind of the end of it. Um, but my the last thing that I really love is that uh, in the credits they give the whole you know there's the one like like the statement where are they now kind of thing right yeah so Jeff Galuli has uh, he's a slick guy he's changed his name to Jeff Stone <laughs> Jeff Stone I love it <laughs> you know just I guess to hide yep his shame right so Jeff Stone is is the name that he's gone to <laughs> uh, Sean Eckert. The, the fat guy with the porn stash changed his name to Brian Griffith. <laughs> Brian Griffith. Almost like the same as the, the dog from Family Guy. Yep. And now he's dead. He died. Okay. He died. Yep. Uh, the, uh, the, guy, the, the, the guy that actually did the hit is, they say he's living an anonymous life in California. Okay. And uh, Nancy Kerrigan couldn't do the interview. No. Um, and it just says she declined. So you've clarified she was involved in something she else. She was involved in something else. She she was being interviewed by another network. But I like to I, give her side of the story. That's why I like how how her her declining of doing the interview though is kind of like solidifying like the Kerrigan heel turn. Yeah. Over the course of this, because again, like the public story is that there's the horrible Tanya Harding and the angelic Nancy Kerrigan, yep. and you know Tanya Harding. She doesn't really get pulled out of that, but because she's the one that's interviewed and featured, yeah. there's just automatically... It's kind of like um, on The Sopranos. They focus the series on Tony Soprano, so you just like Tony Soprano. Yes, even, even though he's, he's a reprehensible. Bad he's yeah. a bad person. He really is. But So because but, the focus is on Tanya Harding, you kind of like feel for her? Well, because you don't get anything from the other side. You just get... You get to hear her... Whether she's like... Lying and talking about how handwriting's not hers, even though it was her yeah. handwriting. <laughs> yep. And you know you get that, but you still kind of feel for her because it's her story. And when they're telling somebody's story like that, where they're talking now, and you see the hardships they've gone through, you're like, okay, you know, I kind of have a little bit of that. And when all you're hearing from Nancy Kerrigan is seeing a clip of her talking bad about Oksana Bayul, or like. Or, like, walking out of this, like, with millions of dollars. Yeah, you're kind of like, yeah, not, I, I don't know so much about her either. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's fucking fabulous. Yep. The whole thing, it's on, it's on YouTube. Yes, you can find it's it. one, of the, one of the rare ones that you can find on YouTube. Yeah, you can find the whole thing on YouTube if, uh, if for some reason that falls apart, American Netflix has it. Yep. Uh, there are other ways to find it, and it's, it's definitely worth watching. Like it's, it is. It's, good it's, one. it's like 75, 80 minutes, and it just flies by. That's a good great, one. Great good story. Choice. Great, great, great story. Good job. Slipe. Fuck, we're making decent time. We're making decent time. Uh, we got um, the Torsion Center top five this week. And it was yours. It was my turn to pick, so I'm going to be going first. I'll, I'll run it down. We, I, I was trying to think of, you know, uh, I often do this, so I, I, I can't decide. So I thought, well, let's do one where it's like, what are your best musical finds that you're proud of uh, for any reason? And I think you and I went two different ways on this. And I'll, I'll start and I'll tell you how I went on this. Um, musical finds for me was, originally it was going to be probably what you are doing, and, and this, this would have been good too, was, you know, here's something that I found that was awesome. And I was, this was a 
really great find. Here's the story of a song that I found, and here's how it came about. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I like this song. It kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. And, and here's how I discovered it. Now, mine, of course, is a little different. Uh, it's focusing more on um, kind of... I, I, I was especially proud of these songs, not because they're good songs, because, you know, to be honest, they're not. And you're going to... This isn't something where you're going to be like, man, that was some good songs that Poops played, because none of them are good. Well, one of them is good. But um, it's more of, here's all the shit I went through to get these songs. Now, we've talked about this, and I'm not, I'm not going to dwell too much on wrestling. But we wrestled. And when we wrestled in our little backyard federation, we had theme music. And uh, we used entrance themes constantly. Everybody had theme music. The theme music sometimes changed. Sometimes we couldn't find the tapes. Sometimes guys would bring theme music once, and they'd never bring it again. So as I went through all our old footage as a hobby, I started to go, well, let's catalog all the music because I'd love to have all these songs that we used. And uh, for the first four of mine is going to focus on the songs that I had a really hard time finding and how I got them. So it's basically like the story of your like your constant mining for yes. information and finally finding that nugget. Yes. For, you know, I am a person who can't focus on many things. But when it comes to minute bullshit about music and or wrestling and or a few other things, a very small amount of things, I can hyper-focus. This is one of the things I can hyper-focus on. So for, I'm going to start, um, and, and it's almost kind of chronological, but not quite. Um, we're going to start with a song that showed up once we did an event in 1998. And it was called Free For Brawl, and it was early in 1998. And um, we had a song that was um, used by a wrestler called the chess master and um i had no idea what song this was so what happened was is that um early on when we were doing this uh, i had the cd and it was a cd uh of uh piano tutorial that my sister was using to learn piano and so it would have these songs on it just straight just piano and, and it would have this man at the start introduce the song so it'd be like you know minuet in c minor Anonymous, attributed to Bach, and then the music would play. Now, I had that one, because that one was easy. It told me what the song was. I could hear it when I was listening to the event. This one, at this event, for some reason, I changed the song. I don't know why, <laughs> but we went with a different song for the chess master, and it's just a piano-playing song, and I listened to this... this um, I, I would watch this event and this entrance over and over and over, because I couldn't make out what the song was. So the things that I did to find this song, well, first I, I, I tried to, like I just said, listen to what, I, I could hear the guy kind of saying it, but I couldn't make out what he was saying because the announcers are talking over it, right? We're like, oh, blah, 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 here comes the dismissive. <laughs> and you hear the guy introduce it, and then it gets into the song. I couldn't really figure it out, so I, so I, I, I did as part of a package of a bunch of songs. I went on Reddit, and I did my only thread I've ever done in Reddit, which was a uh, tip of my tongue thread, it, where I, thread on Reddit where I said... I have all these songs. I posted them all to YouTube. I said, can you help me identify them? Now, a bunch of people made it easy. They're like, oh, that's Love Island by Fatboy Slim. I'm all, well, that makes sense, you know, and yep. all this other stuff. But this, this was one of the handful that wasn't, um, that no one, could, no one could figure out. So then I started to think, well, let's go the route of where, where, I, ha where I originally acquired it. Well, there was these CDs. So I go to my mom and dad's house. <laughs> and so I'm there one day and I go up I'm like can I go look up in the you know up in the up in the uh, cupboard upstairs you know there's a bunch of piano books in there so what I find is I find the actual her books so I like can I borrow these <laughs> so I take them home this is this is the level 
of of of, uh, of of sleuthing that I'm doing. So I, I I'm looking through the books. I'm leafing through them. Nothing. I find the first one, the one that I mentioned, the minuet in C minor, no problem. But I can't find this other song. And uh, so with that, I'm like, okay. So then I try. Before that, even I was doing things like I go to, uh, um, oh, what was the website? Musipedia has like a keyboard search <laughs> where you can like literally like click on a keyboard the notes and yeah. it will try and match the song okay so i'm like i'm like doing the notes because it's not a very um complicated song nothing so anyway i get these books finally i've identified the thing in the end i found it because what i did was i found the actual cds not the cds in my parents house i found them online it was very hard and i managed to i went through all of them looking at all the names and finally i went oh and this was the one so you can just play a little clip of it if you want so all of that work and this is the final product. This is the final product. <laughs> okay, so I won't, I won't make people listen to that very long. This actually isn't the song. This, this is the song, but this isn't the actual recording that was used. I found this on YouTube and just uh, and just ripped it because it's it's not actually the song. I did find the the CD. If it's not in my parents' house somewhere or out in uh, you know Quebec with my sister is in a library in Toronto. So if I ever get there, I'm going to go down to wherever it is. I'm going to, I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to... I'm gonna, You're going to go. And if, if they have go, a computer, I'm going to go and I'm going to rip the CD so, up somehow. So if you go to Toronto, yep. you can see the CN Tower, the Ontario Science yes. Museum, the Toronto Zoo. Anything. But I'm go going to, to that James library. Game, please, Gabe. Nope. No, you're going to go to the library and find a CD with that fucking t- piano track I on it. I can't get it out of my head. Even now, even after I've identified Intrada in G major, now I listen to the to the to the clip. I watch the clip of the of the yeah. event, and I, I hear it immediately. Intrada in G major, Grautner. I'm like, well, that's what the fuck it is. Anyway, so that's that's my first one. I was very proud of that one because um, that was that was kind of the uh, the that wasn't the first one. I, I found a lot, but that was a the second one is a terrible song. And um, you know what? Play the song number two, and then I'll talk about it. Now I'm going to get you to, to pull this back in at about 105. Okay, right. um, this is this is um, it sounds like Cotton Eye Joe, but it's not. You'll hear it in a second. It kind of sounds like the Grid, Swamp Thing. Well, it is. It's it's the Grid doing Swamp Thing on a CD called um, uh, Groove Station Two. Now Groove Station Two was a CD that. Uh, I had at uh, that we had at Domo when I worked at Domo. Are we getting there? Okay. So if you listen to this for a second, I'll, I'll you let, said 105, right? Yeah, around 105. You got 30 seconds. I got 30 seconds. Basically, what it was is I found, I had to find it and piece it together. So at, uh, in about 30 seconds, when we get back into you, so this hear, is the this is the Poops McKenzie mix that we're listening to. Kind here. of. It kind of is. And I'll let you hear it, and then I'll talk about it. All right. We got 10 seconds left. Okay. You want to get fade it up? You want to do a little dance here? Fade or? it up. Coming up right here, I'll let you know where my edit is. Right here. Can you hear how it goes a little down in volume? Yeah. So what this was, what happened here? You can turn it off now. But at that point, Hold on here. Okay. I like the little groove. So what happened is Groove Station 2 was a, a dance compilation released in like 1997, and we had it at Domo, and I just took it one day, 
And we used it for like a few entrance themes. This one was used for Francis Cunning Master of Aerobics. <laughs> and we only used it like once. And I think it was at like Barbecue Beats 2 or something. But anyway, I, I knew that it came off Groove Station 2 because I had the CD and it made sense. So I, uh, but I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, is this Cotton Eye Joe? But it wasn't. It was a, Groove Station 2 was a mix, a dance compilation, but it mixed the songs together. Yep. So Cotton Eye Joe mixed into Swamp Thing. So I couldn't just download Swamp Thing Southern Comfort Mix. That wasn't enough for me. I needed to make sure that I got the one-off Groove Station where it started off with Cotton Eye Joe and went into that. But I went on like things like Groove Shark and all these things, and I only found the end. I only found Cotton Eye Joe. So what I did is I isolated the end where it mixes into Swamp Thing, and then found the actual Southern Comfort mix of Swamp Thing, mixed them together, and that's what came out of it. Good job. Good job. Yeah. So if they have Groove Station Two at the Toronto Library, will you take that? Too? Oh fuck yes! <laughs> Groove Station Two is classic. We use that for for um, the uh, radio edit of uh, uh, um, the Backstreet Boys song for Nautilus so many things this one you may recognize number three um, we did an event called the Whoop Ass Awards and we gave out awards and um, it was fantastic <laughs> we had it we had kind of a jazzy kind of feel that night uh, and also some MC Hammer for some reason did we? yeah but um, during during the event we had um, we used a, a CD called uh, it was like a BBC uh, blue uh, a big band CD yeah um I found that one out too on my own, but that one was easy because of just all the songs. I was like, oh, this is easily that CD because we used every song on it. But there was one song at the start, and I was like, what is this? So I went the easy route and I went on Shazam and I just played it. <clears throat> yeah. And it was confirmed that it was the Barrett Deems Big Band, Time After Time. <laughs> now, this sounds easy, right? I found it on Shazam and I downloaded it. Well, that, that's not true. This song is not available anywhere to download. It's not on YouTube. It's not that you can't download from. You gotta go buy the CD. Well, I don't want to buy the CD. I have no, you know. So what I did was I found on I found a link to a site called AccuRadio, and AccuRadio just like plays songs, <laughs> yeah. and you can listen to them. Yeah. I spent two and a half hours with one k like with the cables all hooked up, and my finger on the record button on like SoundForge waiting for this song to come up because I knew it would and after about two and a half hours it came on I hit record and I got it <laughs> so I just basically off of, this is off a stream of a song I, I was so proud so that's um, Barrett Deems Big Band time after time I don't know how you had your hands on it at your parents house back in 1998 uh, it was a big band song well this is yeah the Barrett Deems some, Big Band I had some big band shit because I was well, in jazz were, band big, big jazz band I was boy. in jazz band yeah. in school so I had jazz CDs that I never listened to Nope. Uh, like, I never popped a jazz CD in and listened to it. I don't know why the fuck I bought them. Uh, and then uh, the only time that they would ever be used would be, it was like, we're having the Whoop-Ass Awards. We need some, like, campy awards yeah. music. I'll grab a jazz CD and throw it in. That the, Those awards are famous, too, for uh, being in my basement. And when brawling would take place, my dog would bark and get mad at us. Old Danny. Yeah, as part of the... The wrestling award show. Yeah, the wrestling award show. That was great. We'll, we'll talk. We can talk more about the wrestling yeah. award show on another podcast because I got two more to go. Um, this one is. Um, it's a really good song, and um, I'll. Uh, in two thousand three, our last show we ever did was I, unconfirmed, but I pretty much confirmed it is January twelfth, not two thousand three. Uh, again, another thing where I where I went and I was like, when do we take place? We never actually. I never actually figured out exactly when it was, but I did all sorts of uh, research and figured out that it had to be the 12th. It couldn't have been any other day. I even looked at climatological data because I had footage of us filming outside <laughs> yep. and it wasn't snowing. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
this one was used by a wrestler called Gasso. And Gasso was called Gasso because he um, wore a gas mask. And that was his gimmick. It was. Uh, but the reason he had the gas mask is because he was a raver. And gas masks, you'd go to raves. That's right. And people would wear gas masks as That's part right. of their fucking costume. Yes. So that was the, the tie-in. Yeah. But he because he had that, he decided he'd be a wrestler called Gasso with... A pretty ingenious part to his gimmick, which was that, uh, which who was he wrestling at that event? That, oh, that event he was facing, I believe, Francis Cunning. So Francis Cunning farts in his face as a move, and Gasso no sells it because he's got a yeah, gas mask. Because on. Um, at the start of the match, Francis Cunning says something like, "I'm feeling a little gassy. I just got back from Chi-Chi's. <laughs> Which didn't exist in Winnipeg in 2003, but it, that what made it so funny. And then they were fighting in a bottle of acid on a pole match. That's right. And so there was a, a, a water bottle, with apparently with acid inside. And so at the end of the match, um, the, the finish was, Francis Cunning gets the bottle of acid and he can use it on his opponent. And he throws the acid in Gasso's face, but he's wearing a gas mask. It, it's very thin plot. I'm not exactly sure how the gas it mask... It doesn't. Protects the well, you were the referee, and you put your arm, you put your hand on Gasso's arm to raise his arm, and you're all ah, like it burnt your hand. So I guess Gasso was impervious to acid anyway, because it was on his arm. But yep. anyway, he was used to sun. And what happened was in the first event that he did, that he was in, was uh, a, like a couple of years earlier. He used a a, a happy hardcore song called. Um, uh, it was like a space od- space odyssey or something like that, and it was by Vinyl Groover and Trixie, and it was like some like happy hardcore version of the the uh, uh, what, however song. you say the I'm not even gonna try and say it because I'll butcher it. Yeah. But yes, the 2001 Space Odyssey song, and uh, but of course theme music. Yeah. Two years later, there was no way I had a chance to get it. So for some reason, I picked a song for him, and because I had made a CD that we could use, because we were very advanced by 2003, we had all our theme music on one CD. So I just picked a song, and I, for some reason, I picked this very sad track. Um, you, if you want to play it, it's Mogwai, and it's a song called Stanley Kubrick. Now, tell me why this would be a wrestler's theme song. I have no idea. This was Gasso's theme? This was Gasso's theme for one event. I don't even remember this shit. So, to find this, was I'm watching the video, and I'm like what the hell song is this? And I really like that, the cascading guitars, and it was a very nice song, and I was like, I picked this song. So early on, I thought, this is Mogwai. I'm like, so I went, and I, at the time, I'm like, well, I had, whatever, was it Rock Action? Anyway, the CD. I wasn't a Mogwai fan. Nah, I, I was a slight Mogwai fan, and I, I had their Rock Action CD, and I was like, so I went through it, and I'm like, this isn't it. So I started going through all this stuff, Mogwai, 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 I can't find anything, posted again on Reddit, same kind of thing, what is it? couldn't find it groove shark all this stuff and then i realized i went back to it a couple years later and i was like it's got to be mogwai and i found i got i guess i got smarter i'm like oh they had an ep in 99 ah i you know because yeah. i wasn't a big mogwai fan yeah, and yeah. you know like when i was first looking i wasn't maybe Did you i was all music it. yeah all right and there and then it was and it was on there this is a fucking terrible wrestler theme song it's a it's a bad song it's a it's a good song if you to listen to, but like I couldn't figure it out because of course the announcers are talking and well the one announcer was me and we're, I'm yakking over all the music and I couldn't figure it out but I did find it. Um, so far I've identified 127 songs. Some of them I've identified I don't have the original version. Some of the things like some of the classical stuff we used never ide- I have identified. Oh that's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, but I have no idea what version it is or from who. Yeah. But uh, I got five that I haven't identified. 
There's five that are still sticking to my craw. They're killer. I, I don't know if I'll ever find them. But, um, and then, and then, uh, so we have 132 songs. We've got 127 of them. Good job. So the last one is where we deviate. We get out of the wrestling shit. This is the greatest find of all time in my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll cue you in. So, what was it, 2000, you and I, yep. we go to the University of Manitoba multi-purpose room for a rap show. <laughs> Tone Loke, Rob Basin, DJ Z-Rock, and Young MC. Yep. That's correct, 2000? Yep. Uh, now, uh, yep. now, I gotta say, there is no record of this show ever taking place. Really? I can't find anything that was like, that would corroborate that we saw this concert. It was a real show. Young MC wore a Detroit Red Wings jersey. Yes, when he when he rapped and, and he's, he when he came up to rap, he didn't have a DJ. No, they just played the background music for his songs, and, and he, he had a mic and he rapped. That was it. So it was like it was almost like Young MC doing karaoke. It was Young MC doing karaoke, just of himself. And Tone Loke was was a, was was awesome because he was all getting people to chant "fuck Calgary." It was great. So and and Tone Loke and Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Well, DJ Easy Rock obviously is a DJ. Yeah, but they both had like full DJs. Yeah, them, they, it was it which was, made it awesome. It was a it was a pretty good concert. Young, but young I, MC, I was I, sorry, but no, go ahead. MC, I, I, of the three acts, Young MC, I was the biggest fan of. The other yeah. two, I knew like the singles, but Young MC. Yeah. You know, Stone Cold Ryman and then Brainstorm, which we're going to have to review at some point. Yes, we will. You know, I know those albums pretty much cover to cover. So yep. that was what I was looking to forward to the most. And it was so disappointing. Yeah, it wasn't very good. So what happens is, is that we see this concert that nobody, I can't find it anywhere. And I'll tell you, today I found a demo of a band that I played, that I used to play shows with at Aussies in like <laughs> yep. 1993. And it was just some high school band and one you know just out of the blue some guy was like here's my old band here's a couple songs like I can find shit like that but I can't find one little line on a website that says Young MC and Tone Loke and Broad Bass and DJZ Rock played this concert on this date at this place so uh, a while ago I, I posited like did we did we dream this up but we didn't it was true Young MC at this concert though sang a song and it stuck with us it was the us. first song yeah, it he, was the first song that he came out and he did and it was called Lingerie, so get just play it. Yeah. I like the ladies in the lingerie. Lingerie. <laughs> just give it a little bit give more. Give it a little time, bit more. You gotta time. hear what he busts in. Yeah. Now when the darkness I see your silhouette shine. Anticipation looking so fine. Wait up all the time. Alright, when we get to the yeah. chorus, I'll get yeah. it back up. So so we hear this song and it's ridiculous and of course we see this concert and then for like a year later for the next year we're talking about lingerie and we don't know the words because we can't remember we summoned a concert and we're like we're like making up our own words and doing all this stuff I really want to love you lingerie and then I'm going to kill you lingerie <laughs> and we're like talking about lingerie but yet we couldn't find the track now keep in mind I can go online oh, I know on here. yeah here you go when I'm done with you in you so young MC is talking about how much he loves uh, ladies' panties and bras, but you know, back in 2000, you know, in that in that time, it wasn't easy to find music um, online. Um, well, Napster's around. Yeah, but it, it's not like now where everything, anything, and everything is there's somewhere. No, like there's no YouTube yet. There's no you know, but Napster, Napster's pretty good, but. 
it's not deep enough for this. No, not deep enough for this. So I'm looking for lingerie. Now, you can find lingerie in two seconds on YouTube right now. You can find every track off Return of the One-Hit Wonder. I'd never heard Return of the One-Hit Wonder. It was a 1997 album I never knew existed because that was so far off my radar by the year 2000. I had no idea. So we're all year we're talking about lingerie. And my plan all along is I got to find this. I got to find this for us because what we used to do is we used to go on these road trips. And we would each make, you know, depending on the length of the road trip, we'd make a, a CD or a series of CDs with all sorts of little treats involved. Sound clips, funny songs, themes, you know, you try and guess the theme, you put in all sorts of stuff. So I, we did this epic trip. It wasn't an epic trip. It was just in Minneapolis. But we each did four mixed CDs. So to kind of t- tide yep. us over the whole way. So I had this big, badass, you know, collection of stuff. I found all sorts of interesting songs and did kind of themes for each one. And my plan was, I like, I got to get lingerie. I have to. And so what ended up happening, one day I'm sitting there in my apartment and I'm sitting on the computer and I got Napster going. And all of a sudden, I'm doing my, you know, every few days searching for lingerie. <laughs> and there it is. It's right there staring at me. Now, you know Napster back in the day. It's a fucking crapshoot. Who knows if you're going to get that song? So you get, you know, you, you get to clicking real fast. And I got it. And then the part that was hard was, well, now I got to keep it a secret. Because I think it was, what, January 2001, <laughs> yeah. maybe? Something so like that, a few yeah. months, maybe I kept the secret for a couple months, just waiting. And then we're on our way. We're driving. We're, we're probably around St. Cloud. And then I'm just waiting. You know, I'm sitting there smiling. We're listening to the music, and I got it kind of buried in the middle of the album, just kind of out of nowhere. And to me, it was my favorite moment because you got so fucking pumped. Well, it was because like, it starts, the song starts with nothing. It's just this, this beat. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And then he says, I love the ladies in the lingerie. Yeah. And as soon as he said like, that, oh! it, was like mark, it was like the biggest markout moment ever yeah. for, for a song. It was fantastic. I was so proud of, of just finding a song on Napster. Um, my favorite thing about this song is that um, uh, he has that one line, the best line I believe in a in a in a novelty rap song or a pop rap song of all time, where he says he he cuts after the chorus into the third verse, and it's kind of like it's like you know check yourself before you wreck yourself, just hit the drugstore and protect yourself. Because Young MC always has to be about safe safe sex. sex. See, I always practice safe sex, so I use latex. And then the fucking guy goes, unless the girlie's on the playtex. <laughs> fucking worst line ever. That's fucking terrible. So bad. But lingerie, uh, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it more. It's worth it. That one line alone. That is my greatest find. This was what kind of, I was like, let's do this list because I'm going to put lingerie on it. I own, uh, I own Return of the One Hit Wonder because I found it at Dollarama. Nice. In Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. It's just like, yeah. It was like this. Was it one dollar or was it two? At the time, it was a dollar. Nice. It was not worth it, but I got it it's anyway. Not worth it, but you got lingerie committed to plastic. So good stuff. So that's my list. So uh, I'm very interested for you to take it away and give your take on the musical finds. So my list is also musical finds, but mine's a different direction than yours. It doesn't involve sleuthing whatsoever. No. It just involves music that I found out about because for some reason it kind of fell into my lap like here's the moment where I discovered these five songs and it will be a much better musically it'll uh, be much better musically than mine oh it has to be yeah, no way. I, yeah I like everything on here let's uh, start off with uh, let's go in chronological order 
from when I discovered them, which would put this one first. I'm very excited. Get down. Yes. Oh yeah, Jungle Boogie. Cool and the Gang, Jungle Boogie. So, Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yep. Uh, which came out, I think, in 94. 94. But when I kind of got smart to this song, was I believe in the summer of 96? That would be uh, that would be the right 96, timeline. 96, right? Oh, yeah, yeah okay, that 96. would be when I did, too. So, I had this on a mixtape in 96, so summer of so, 96. Summer of 96. So what happened was, uh, I was out, you are at Victoria Beach all summer, and and I come out to visit. Yes. When, you know, in, in the summer of 96. Yep. And the time that I'm out to visit, there is a Victoria Beach dance at the community hall. Oh, that's right. So you and me go, and we work the concession stand. Fuck, I forgot about this. And Yes. And then your pal Anders yep. is one of the DJs. Yep. So we're fucking doing the concession stand, and all of a sudden... They start playing Jungle Boogie, and yep. we're like, "The fuck is this?" Exactly. And and from that moment on, we were hooked. We were hooked. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know what? That's this is amazing because I, it just like hit me. I'm like, that's when we. I remember that in the clubhouse at Victoria Beach, working concessions at a dance. Yep. Fuck. So yeah. So good. So anyways, that's Jungle Boogie. That's how we discovered track. it. That is, and then what? we would use that as our theme song for our our TV show in wrestling. And so. we were obsessed with the gong. We were obsessed with this. Okay, oh wait, sorry. We were obsessed with. This forever. Oh, so good. I can play that and it'd be like, right? There it is. So good. Well done. Fucking fantastic. Okay, number two. Number two would be this one here. So, uh, in 1998, uh, a group of us take a trip to Minneapolis. And it's because our friend Mistopheles, the bloodletter, is going to see Pearl Jam for the first time. Yeah. So there's, I think, seven of us on the trip. There are three of the three of us who end up going to see uh, Pearl Jam. I'm not one of them. No. Nope. Uh, which, like in retrospect, after having seen Pearl Jam now a few times, was just a terrible decision. Should have gone. Yeah. But anyways. Hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, and then four of us who are like just going along for the trip, Minneapolis. I remember this trip shopping. happening. Uh, I was not there. No. And uh, there's there's a lot of stories we we could have we could have brought some up with our friend Alio Gratton last week. Oh God, would that have been great? Yeah, he was on this trip. But uh, one night, just I forget. I think it was just like we we wanted something to do, and so me and Alio Gratton and Mistopheles get in my car, and we're just kind of driving around, kind of like uh, kind of like around the university area, like just off of downtown. So like not nothing nothing too rough an area just you know but yep. not but not a sub- suburb either right nope. and we're listening to like the the late night Minneapolis radio I know exactly what you're talking about right <laughs> and and so all of a sudden this starts playing yes see I remember this fuck this is great yeah and so we're like okay we're we're like and we're videotaping yeah we're videotaping as we drive around because that's what we used to do we yep. were like. And these vi- these tapes are terrible because nothing happens. No, you're just like you're looking out the window and seeing. And then we try to loud. create humor, and it's terrible because it's all forced. Yeah. But we're wow. videotaping, and this song is playing, so we're like, "Oh fuck, this is a pretty fucking good groove, right?" Yeah. And it's got a it's got a little bit of an intro here, so we'll just let it roll off for a second. But there's there's two key parts to this song. Yep. So the first one's the first one's gonna come in a second. So it's "Rise" by Herb Albert. Yep. Um. 
I don't know when it came out. Sometime in the 70s, I think. But here we Probably. go. Perfect. Like driving around, driving around the city at night. Fantastic. You know, like driving around the, the big American city. We're like, you know, we're feeling pretty cool. So anyways, that that's happening. And then now I'm going to have to do, I don't know where, the, I should have I should have checked where this part happens, but I'll just boost it forward. Go ahead, boost it forward. Let's. I'll talk over it so it, so it sounds like we're not doing what we're doing. Yes. Here we go. He's not scrubbing no. to the to the point where he thinks that, no, oh god, I got caught. Ah, uh, here we go. Okay. So we're, we get to like the three minute 20 mark, and this happens. Yeah, and then you guys are like. And then immediately we mark out because it hits us that we've found... We found the sample to Hypnotize by Notorious B.I.G. Yep. So we're like thrilled with ourselves because yep. at the time we were totally obsessed with finding the sampled songs, which again, now, A, it should be common knowledge to a lot of people, but B, you can just go onto any website. Back then, that was a big deal because you talked to me about it after. You're like, yeah. you won't believe this. And I'm yeah. all, I don't know. Yeah. And, and then we put in like sampled to song X and you can just find it now. But anyways, so that's this one. I'm pretty happy with that one. Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Okay, number three. Uh, now we move forward to... Oh, which one came first? This one came first. Uh, so there's uh, there's the show Austin City Limits on uh, PBS. Okay. Which is on every Saturday. You know the show. Come on, you must know the I show. I know of it. Yeah, okay. I've never watched it. Okay, so what it is is it's an hour-long show, and it's two bands. There's yeah. the featured band... And then there's a, always an opener. And the bands on the show are, like, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like, they're usually, like, you know, uh, Kings of Leon bef- right before they kind of emerged. Okay. You know, and uh, Block Party and, I don't know, Travis and, you know, like, that kind of stuff that, yeah. that, that they have on the show. And it's mm-hmm. a series. So there's an episode of it where uh, Block Party is the headliner. And so I'm out I'm out uh, with friends and I record it. Okay. And I get a note or, or from uh, a friend of mine at the time who's like, this fucking band that opened on, on Austin City Limits is amazing. Like, you have to, you have to pay attention to this. Okay. Because otherwise, I just skipped it. Yeah. And so I, I immediately... Because you were recording to see Block Party. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I was just going to probably pass up the opening. I'm very back. excited to hear it. And it's this... You may not know who the well, you'll know who this is, but you may not be familiar with the catalog. So this is a band called Ghostland Observatory. I know Ghostland Observatory a little bit. They're like this. Of you. They're like this electro rock hybrid yeah. from Austin, Texas. Yeah. So what it is is there's a dude in a, and he's wearing a cape. Is <laughs> it like there's just this white dude in a cape, and he's got like multiple keyboards. So he's doing all this stuff. It's a drum machine. Yeah. And then there's another dude. And here's the dude when he kicks in here. And he's like this... I don't I don't know if he's Native American, but he's certainly got a Native American look. He's wearing like, you know, like the... the, the, the what's it? Like mahogany pants with like yeah. the frail, frails. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's got long black hair. Okay. And he's got the two pigtails. Okay. He's wearing shades. And he just fucking sings and bops like... The whole anything is an amazing dancer and just okay. dances and then sometimes busts out of the guitar. Yeah. So I'm like, I fucking watch the show and it's this band. And from this point on, I'm 
Anyways, so I recall you telling me about them. Yeah, I probably have a couple of their songs. So anyways, I'm not sure if I have that one. There's uh, so yeah, there's uh, uh, anyways, they became kind of one of my uh, one of my favorites at the time. Good, like one of the best live things to, that you'll ever see. It's the best way to find something too when it's just like, hey, it's just like they're they gotta see this. This never existed, and then boom, there it is. And all of a sudden, it's there. Okay, number four. Yep. I'm gonna try to introduce this in a way that doesn't give it away until okay. Until, until because this play is it. the whole point is that we don't tell each other. Yeah. And that we surprise though we do talk on the phone during the week and can't help but give little tidbits <laughs> of what might what might lie ahead. You were able to you were able to hide lingerie from me for like a year. Or for like six months yeah. for for a road trip mix, but then you had to tell me for this one. Oh, of course I did. So this is a band, and they are a spinoff of another band. Okay. And they put out an album, and I was very excited to get my hands on I the album. I think I already know what it is, but okay. But it, wasn't, but it wasn't easy to get it, but I, I got my hands on it. Yeah. And uh, right after I got the album, I took this trip to New York, and it was a trip that I took by myself. Yeah. And so when I was like kind of riding around on the subway everywhere, you know, you kind of get locked into, you know, we've talked about this before. You go on a trip and you kind of get locked into like the soundtrack, like a certain yes. album or something. Yep. So this album, listen to cover to cover, like okay. over and over again on the subway. Yep. And uh, anyways, this song comes up and I'm like, this song's fucking genius. Because, like, in one aspect, it's terrible, but in a bigger aspect, it's the greatest thing ever. All right. I knew it was hot, <laughs> Cocktails. Oh, my God. So good. So this Love is, this song. So this is Hot Leg. It's uh, Justin Hawkins' band after the darkness stopped. They took they, a hiatus. Now they're back. Yeah. So he went and made another band called Hot Leg. And it's the same shit. It's just cheesy, like... Yeah. Uh, 80s style heavy metal with falsetto voices. Yeah. But anyways, he he's then they've got all sorts of goofy songs on this album. Yeah. I've met Jesus. Yeah. Gay in the Gay 80s. In the 80s. Yeah. You know, uh, Trojan guitar. Yeah. But this song is called Cocktails, and it's about it's about just drinking a bunch of drinks. Yeah. So it's just he's just naming drinks and talking about going to bars. But then he gets to the chorus. The chorus! And we're about... The greatest about chorus. It's, it's, yeah. It's the best fucking chorus ever. Play it. Play it. It's the, sec- it's the harmonies that come in after he says cock. I... I- it's I'm, the second cock. I'm listening to it and I'm like, he totally wrote this song so that he could just say cock in of falsetto. Of course he did. Same. Fantastic. I love the he goes falsetto, but then the background vocals uh, emphasize the cock. It's fantastic. Yeah, great song. And the fucking the fucking uh, video is terrible too. They're just like driving a car for something or for some reason and just singing the song and this again. Now, this is one of these ones where you told me about it, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And you know what? There's always that nobility when you're the one that f- finds it out of, like, your yep. group. And you can, you can impart the, the knowledge of what you found. I always like finding something, and it's like the, the pride involved when someone's like, no, oh, that's fucking awesome. Yep, and then, and awesome. then they, like, play it as their own. Yeah. But, but they have to ignore. Like, I, yeah, that, that uh, what's it, that Stezo? Stezo? Stezo. 
whenever I play that, I'm going to, like, it's my responsibility to acknowledge that I didn't actually find this. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, hey, you know what? The other day you were like, check out, uh, whatever, TWRP. Yeah. Check out this song. And I, you, I was like, all right. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. And I, like, I'm, immediately I'm on there. I bought the album, the EP. Yep. I bought it. I'm like, I got to buy this. It's fantastic. But I always know who, who introduced me. You always got to remember what side of the uh, uh, what side of the bread it's buttered on, you know. So, so this last song you uh, you probably don't know. I I think I sent it to you as, but I sent a bunch of links when you started three sixty six tunes. Yes, you did. I was like, listen to this, 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 and this. Okay. So you may or may not have listened to it. Um, it's a band I knew about. It's not a big band. They're called Mister Elevator in the Brain Hotel. I did and, listen to this. And so they're yes. from they're from uh, Los Angeles, and they're a spinoff. One of the guys in the band is in another great band called Mystic Braves. And they're all just like small bands. Like yeah. they, you know, they'll they'll play festivals um, with relatively good crowds. But when they do their tours, it's just clubs. And like I saw Mystic Braves in a club, and there were twenty people. So Mister Elevator in the Brain Hotel <clears throat> is uh, playing in Vancouver, and they're playing at this festival called Levitation Vancouver. And there's an outdoor portion. Is this the one you got the media accreditation for? Yes, I did. I got the media accreditation for for this event because uh, through CQW. Yeah. And then I go to the I go to the first day, and they're like, "Here's what you need to do if you want to try to interview a band." So I'm like, "I'm going to try this, right?" Yep. This is outside of this story, but I may as well. No, tell you. go ahead. I actually wanted so, to ask you about this. So, so I'm like, "I'm going to I'm going to interview. Uh, I'm going to try to do an interview." So uh, the first day, of the band I think I'm going to try to talk to is uh, Mystic Braves, yep. and I think I'm going to have a shot at it because uh, a year earlier um, I'd seen them with with a friend of mine, yep. and. Uh, she had talked to one of the guys in the band and was trying to arrange an interview, and he actually called, but the timing was off and okay. so on. So, but they had followed through on trying to interview with her. Yeah. So I was like, I'll try it. Okay. Uh, so you have to like, you have to like find the fucking right backstage person. Then you have to get back there. Like someone has to take you back there, and then you just immediately feel like a douchebag. It's just like, oh yeah, I've fucking. Well, you, you know, let to... me backstage. Like that. That's I'm allowed. Well, you're in media. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, you know. So I get back there, and then she's like, uh, "I'm gonna go talk to them. I'll talk to their manager, uh, and we'll try to set you up." She she keeps coming back and checking on me. She's like, "They're just finishing the set. They're just putting their shit in their van. They're just doing you know whatever." I'm like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm just happy to be here." Like I like literally, I'm just like, I'm just back here. Like I'm not gonna push. Like I feel kind of douchey enough, right? Yeah. Long story short, they blew me off. <laughs> They blew me off to go to, to go fucking do drugs, basically. Uh, it's not bad. That's not a bad. And story. I was just like, all right. And then there are other bands I wanted to talk to. And I was like, forget this. You were jaded. Yeah. So I was jaded like, by so, the experience. Uh, you know what? I, I I won't give up if I have the opportunity again in a different setting. I wouldn't do it at a festival. Next time it'll be like a club show. You know, good idea. Where you see the band and then they're selling their merch after, and the pre person's friendly, and you're like, can I get a few words? And go. I'll buy a fucking record, right? There you go. So, anyways, anyways, so, so they have this outdoor event, and then at night they break because they have to close down at ten. So then they spread out to some of the clubs around downtown Vancouver, and uh, there's after shows. Yeah. So I go to this after show and it's to see Mr. Elevator in the Brain Hotel. And there's they have an album out called Nico and Her Psychedelic Conscious. And it's a good album, but as a studio, like it's it, this is one of those bands where like the studio and the live are two different things. Yeah. So the studio album's alright, it's like a psychedelic thing. There's nothing terribly like bouncy or poppy, it's just like decent kind of lots of organs. It's it's a guy on an organ, um 
a drummer, a bassist, and a uh, and a guy that plays percussion. So I'm like, okay, let's go check them out. So I go to this show, and they fucking come up on stage. And this is the first thing that they do. Yeah, see, when you send this to me, it was just a live version. This has not been committed to vinyl or to... No, this is, this is ripped. So I didn't know this song. I'm like, holy shit. Like, so is this I... the one you ripped from the YouTube, YouTube video, video from like the Burgerama thing? Yeah. yeah. So what happened was, I'm immediately like, where? why haven't I heard this? Because yep. if, I, if I played stuff by this band on the radio show and I'm like, I would have played this like immediately. Yeah. And so I go look at the album and it's not on there. I'm like, oh fuck, it's like, it's not released yet. So I search on YouTube, and there's a, there's a festival called Burgerama every year in, in California, and there's a van there, like a like a literal van, and they stick a little studio in the van, and bands go in and they jam in the van. They play a tune, they play like three or four tunes, and it's videotaped and stuck on YouTube, and it's called Jam in the Van. Yeah. So this is Jam in the Van. This is them doing it so live. So them working something out maybe for a future release. I'm sure it is. This is too good. It's like the, the you, it's you, good. You get the and it's even better like in the room. It was like I was like this is the. It's been a while. Like I have a few bands over time where it's like this is the best. You know, a great live act. Yep. This one isn't the best I've seen, but they were like top fun, like a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Because you're just like holy fuck. Like I was expecting kind of more downtrodden psych, and then this happened, and you're just like you're the just whole room was bobbing. Fucking Nardwar was in there bouncing along. Nice. <laughs> You know, so it was it was it was good times. You know, fine. That's what that's that's a good story. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a great find. So, anyways, you, you know, you were talking about interviewing, and I, I I didn't want to interject in your um, in your discussion about your song, but I I, I, I will concur. I remember being at uh, Red River and um, working on the projector. Uh, my 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 <laughs> girlfriend at the time was the was the entertainment editor, so I got all I got all the the first dibs on all the CDs that came in. I got first dibs on the album reviews. I wrote terrible album reviews. <laughs> like I would write so much better. Album is that the one? Now. Is that the paper where you wrote some CD was like a, a fucking turd disguised as a shiny disc? Oh yeah, and it was probably like Buck Cherry or or, uh, or that <laughs> other. What's that other band? Loudmouth. It's probably one of those two bands. It might not have been Buck Cherry because I liked Lit Up. Um, but it was about 1999, and I remember. When I was in school, I, I had a, I had a really good experience over email um, talking to Chris Jericho. Because uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Jericho, of course, went through the same program uh, about nine years earlier, and he was uh, a Winnipegger, and and um, he had he was still in WCW at the time. And I remember doing this big interview with him, and it was fantastic over email. You know, I was psyched. So when my um, when my girlfriend at the time said, you know, do you want uh, do you want to do the the Matthew Goodband interview? Of course, they were my absolute favorite, and you know Matt Good's still my absolute favorite. And I said, "Well, yes," and I did one of the worst interviews with Dave Gen, the guitarist. Yeah, that I, I it was at the point where at the end of the interview, like this is a guy they like a famous band, a Canadian band, but famous yeah. band. At the end of the interview, is like he's like, "Is that all?" <laughs> like he wasn't like it was over the phone. He was yeah. in Vancouver or whatever, and I was I was in in the trailer out at the old campus. Yeah. And I, I don't remember the details. I probably wrote something about it. I could go back in the archives and look. It was probably terrible. I probably asked the worst questions ever. He was totally 
amazing. And at the end, he just was like, Are, you're, you're done? Like, what? <laughs> just a wasted opportunity. It's so hard to interview. That was one of the things I just couldn't do it. I ended up doing advertising because I was just I couldn't do I couldn't do journalism. But that's that's my little sidebar. Ah, we're taking it out with some with some. Uh, we're, we're ending it out uh, with some old uh, 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 hard to find Cindy Lauper. So I'll let you guys enjoy that. And um, is this hard to find. Yeah, it's like a it's like a B side. You know, just listen, just listen to it. This isn't girls just want to have fun. This is a, a track called. Fun with V Knutson. Really? It's like a it's like a seaside, like in the UK. So anyway, enjoy. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, maybe next week we'll we'll get something together. Wait for the record scratching. Boop.